0: Roots Radio, a podcast about living with ALS. We are your hosts, Lenny and Jesse. Lenny was diagnosed with ALS in 2019. I'm a social worker at the ALS Association. Together, we take a deep dive into the lives of those incredible individuals living with ALS, as well as those in the community advocating for those families who have been touched by ALS in some way. Roots Radio was inspired by Lenny's desire to help others who are living with ALS like he is. Out of his desire, Roots Radio was born. The inspiration for our title, Roots Radio, draws meaning from the belief that the roots of who we are in this world is and always will be a part of who we are, especially in the face of ALS. The roots of our experiences in the world, the companionship we seek, the love we feel, and the reflection of what we have meant to others. These are the roots that will continue to nourish our community despite the ever-changing nature of ALS. To quote our friend Kyle Mullins, ALS is a club that we never wanted to be a part of, but thank God there is a club. Well, welcome everybody to episode 11 with Colleen. Um, You Likely heard on the way in here the beautiful singing that Colleen shared with us. Um, We have a credible conversation ahead of us today, and Lenny and I are so excited to introduce you to our friend Colleen. She is an incredible human, and soon you will see why. She's a musician, a teacher, a mother, a friend, a grandmother, a wife, a performer, a Phillies fan. An Eagles fan, an advocate, a caregiver, trailblazer. And these are only a few of the many adjectives that we could use to describe her. Welcome, Colleen.
1: Thank you, Lenny and Jesse, for having me. Anything to bring awareness to ALS, I'm willing to do.
2: Well, that's great, Colleen. I appreciate you, as well as your husband Jeff, joining us here today. And uh as, as folks heard that part of the introduction, we played um, some music that maybe folks, at least of my generation, maybe boomers have recognized mm-hmm. as Pick Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And uh, it brought back a flood of memories for me. <laughs> and the vocals, the incredible vocals on there, that was Colleen, And I it, it it gave me shivers listening to it, and so, Khalid, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, when this song was recorded, and you know, were you, you know, who you were accompanied by, and and what was the context, and uh, I guess, are you a big big Floyd fan? <laughs>
1: I'm a fan of a fan of progressive rock. Um, that was a recorded at Bethlehem's Music Fest live performance. The Dixie Chicks were coming over after us, so we were uh, limited to something totally different than what they sang. Um, it's a seven-piece band um, called Shadow Play. And we um, recorded several years together, and uh, we then broke off and all of those subgroups. After that, we all got busy with work, so um, it was a fun time in my life. Um, I never thought I could sing till two in the morning. <laughs>
3: yeah. I got
1: and drive home. And load a shot to
2: four, and they get up and teach the next day. Oh well, that's God. awesome. I imagine if you're if the uh, your students do what you were doing at two in the morning, <laughs> they would have been maybe a little little shocked only because <laughs> I don't think that you know kids necessarily picture their teachers as having a life after school or life before before class
1: true so, my so that have been awesome. My older kids did know what I did, so I was cool to them and <laughs> tired to <laughs> the other ones.
2: Just- right. mm. and you were part of a cover ba- a cover band, then, right?
1: Yes, and a did- We did both.
2: And you did mostly progressive rock. Yes. So you must have played some. Yes, I imagine.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The song after that one on the CD is the Yes song.
2: That that's good. Huh. Yeah, I, I I I enjoyed Yes. I like some of their songs, but uh, Rick Wakefield certainly was uh was progressive. That's that's for darn sure.
1: Well, Genesis, that's we did Genesis.
2: Genesis, yes.
1: And believe it or not, a lot of Beatles because they were progressive for their time.
2: Right, right, right. Well, that's great. i I would love to talk to you more about our commonality in, in, in mm-hmm. music here offline. But that's uh once again, I'll just say that uh mm-hmm. I got chills when I heard your vocals there on that song. So uh, thank you. That's that that's really great. Thank you. Um and uh I also would say that it you, the band the 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 accompaniment also sounded great, so I know that I was around many a places two o'clock in the morning with the lights flashed, and I would have been disappointed when you guys had to leave the stage. It sounds like
1: <laughs> we were, we were tired <laughs> oh, okay.
3: yeah uh.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, Colleen, you shared with us that performing, music, singing, piano has always been a part of, of you and your being. Yeah. Um, can you share with us like what drew you to the arts? What drew you to music? Um, and like over the years, what role has that played for you in your life?
1: It is a huge part of my life. Um I started playing piano at six. My mom and dad had a little secondhand piano and that's where I took lessons on. And right now I have in my music room a beautiful 100 year old baby grand. So I've upgraded over the years. But um, I went to college for medical technology and switched to music after taking one theory course and said, I can do this. I called my dad and said, I'm switching majors. Being a World War II dad, what the hell are you going to do with a music major? That's right. <laughs> I said, I don't know, dad. Teach? And <laughs> there lies my
2: Change your career. Well, that's good. You're able to really take your your passion and turn it into a way to where you can incorporate it into your vocation, which I think is something that we all try to do, but probably not as many of us are as successful as it at it as as you were fortunate to be. So that's
1: I never worked a day in my life. I loved every minute of my job.
2: That's great. That's great. Amazing. Now, speaking about, about teaching, during our pre-interview, you shared with us a story about a certain professor of yours at college in a recent reunion that you were able to have with him. Can you share a little bit of us uh, that story with us?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I had a professor, Fred Thayer. He was my um, theory, music theory professor and my co-director. And I went to class with him and decided to change my major because of him. So when they opened a brand new music building at my undergrad school, I went, met him and his wife, and was able to tell him, "Thank you for changing my life and making me so happy in my career. It meant the world to me, and I have made it a point to, before I die, I'm going to tell people that meant a lot to me why." Mm
2: -hmm. that's that's real special i think that all too often we forget people that really made or don't necessarily forget them but don't have the opportunity to thank people and that that's great that you did make a point you had an opportunity to thank him for the powerful effect that he had on your life moving forward
1: and major impact major and i told him that
2: I think that's a tear in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the receiving end of that, to have that much mm-hmm. of an effect on somebody's life that turns out positive, I, I certainly could understand why it would bring a tear to his eye. Mm-hmm. It would certainly bring a tear to my eye. So let's change gears here a little bit. But before we do that, I know I'll forget this. Do you remember the band Getting Back to Progressive Rock? Now you got me on this kick. <laughs> Uh, Renaissance. Yes. Oh,
1: yeah. We sang some.
2: Yeah. Andy Haslam and yes. Fairport Convention. I, uh, I, I
1: have I love... carpet of the sun on the same CD.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I loved Andy Haslam's voice. I mean, it was just, it was so powerful and so haunting at times. And, uh, but, anyways, okay. Enough of that. I keep digressing. <laughs> uh, so moving on to really talking about ALS and, uh, you know, where you are, where you guys are now, you're very unique. You have a very unique perspective compared to, I think, most mm-hmm. of us with ALS in that you have been both a caregiver for someone with ALS, but now you're also a person living with ALS. And I was wondering if you could share that a little bit with our audience here because I think it is a, a it, it, it's it got to be a, a very unique perspective that is probably not shared by many others and I know I'd like to hear a little more about it.
1: Well, um, my first husband uh, presented with frontotemporal dementia, ALS variant and um, he was sent home from work one day, and I got a call from California saying he cannot come back until he sees a doctor. And that's started 11 months of a nightmare. Um, I was working, teaching. I had to do things like take the knobs off the stove when I left to work. Um, I had to put alarms on the door so we wouldn't take flight. And uh, it was it was tough. He lost his speech very quickly, as I am. And um, I eventually had to put Jonesy in an assisted living so I could work. He was a flight risk. And, but having gone through that, I was able to chase my diagnosis. I recognized the symptoms and I didn't stop until I got answers. Unfortunately, with ALS, many people wait a year or longer to get that diagnosis. And it's a shame because there's no test for it. But I just had that perspective as, soon as it has been deteriorating. Yeah.
0: Um, it's just the odds and the irony and the everything. It just feels so um, wild. <laughs> so wild. Well
1: trying to find positives in it. I did garner the attention of people who want to know why. And we can talk about stressors and things like that, Mm -hmm. but um it does make you wonder why, why? Mm
0: Absolutely, which is a question I think so many, so many folks um, with ALS and their loved ones are constantly trying to grapple with. It's like, why, why, you know? Um, Will you tell us a little bit, you know, because I think the whole, uh, our premise of this show is very much connected to that, those pieces of us that ALS um. Can't touch or maybe has touched in some way, but you know who we are at our core doesn't change. Who, who, what was Jonesy like before ALS?
1: Well, my father used to call him Steady Eddie. He was very steady, no highs, no those. He was a rock. Yeah, uh, he was very much into um, drawing and um comic type drawing and he did graphic arts and that was his job before he was diagnosed. Um we had one child together who inherited his drawing talent and my singing, which was <laughs> nice. What um, an awesome combo. <laughs> it looks like me. Anyway. <laughs> um, Jonesy was an only child himself, so it was very difficult for his parents. But we've got them in our life. They're so proud of every holiday celebration. And uh, we honor Jonesy whenever we can mm-hmm. with fond memories.
2: Yeah, that that's really good that you do have those fond memories that you can still. Share them, and uh, that he had a, a a nice imprint on your life. And but now, fast forwarding, you've reburied Jeff. Yeah, who is sitting next to you? For those of you that that can't see this, welcome
3: which I guess
2: is <laughs> yes, welcome to us. So you've reburied, and to the extent that you can, you've continued your performing teaching. And where do you where do you go from here? What do you what do you see? On the deer horizon here.
1: With music.
2: With whatever. With your your next steps. What do you What are you contemplating?
1: Oh, um, I'm not stopping. Um, I this past year has been a whirlwind of trips. Jeff has been great. He arranges them uh, with leaving in two weeks for South Carolina again to visit some friends. Uh, since I am a musician and Elton John can have farewell tours, I'm having my farewell tour. And uh, that's what I call it on social media. And um, we've been to four countries, and several places in the United States this past year.
2: Well, that's great that you've been able to do that travel. So so at this point, ALS is manifesting itself primarily through your speech Mm -hmm. and not necessarily through your libs.
1: I can still walk, but my arms are gone. ALS took away my music first my singing voice, and my ability
2: to play piano. Well, that I know that's frustrating. At least you have the CDs, but <laughs> as I tell people, it can always be worse. And that's great that you're still ambulatory, that you're still able to go and travel and do those kinds of things that, uh, that really... They're good experience, the traveling part, especially visiting other countries and cultures, mm-hmm. and being able to take advantage of the time that you have. So that's, uh, that's my, great.
1: My bucket list being a musician was to get to be in Austria. So my son got tired of hearing it, and he, from Mother's Day last year, bought him and me a river cruise and we went to be in Austria, listen to concerts of Mozart and Strauss and this. And um, Mother's Day is coming up when Linda her do to the topic.
2: <laughs> That's great. That, that I can see where that would be a bucket list for somebody with mm-hmm. the passion for music and. Uh, Yeah, all all types of genres for music, so that's that that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
2: A lot of the
4: bucket list stops. Mm Hmm. Billy Joel, Roger Waters, Elton John. Yeah, I've seen a lot of concerts. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I can't sing and perform anymore, but I can listen. There you go. There you go.
0: Yep. You have a musician's ear. That will always be there. That's for sure. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Um,
0: Jeff, welcome, welcome. Um, we are grateful you're here with us too. Um, I'm so curious, Colleen, like what it's like for you having this dual role that you've played, you know, as the caregiver. Now as the person living with ILS. like what is it like for you? looking at Jeff, who, you know, is your best friend, husband, caregiver, and, like, truly exactly knowing what he's gone, is going through, because you've been through it? Mm. What's that like?
1: It's horrible. I mean, I know how frustrated it was, frustrating it was to drive home from work, white knuckles on the steering wheel, not knowing what I was going into, worrying mm-hmm. about safety. One time, Jonesy ended up on a 95 degree day, and we found them in a closed car at our neighbor's house. Oh my gosh! So I mean, I was always worried. So I had told Jeff these stories before I was diagnosed. Now I'm sorry I did. Because now he worries. Mm-hmm. Um, I force him to go out and go golfing. Um, and before he leaves, I mean, he's got water, food, remote controls, everything right near me, even though I can't walk and mm-hmm. get these things. I just can't do anything with my arms. Yeah. We have forgotten. I watch it so that if I fall, he knows it. And so I'm just trying to make sure he gets away from me sometimes. I'm about anyway, but we I him more. Hey, you can never be too much. That's I mean, that.
4: The big <laughs> difference is she doesn't have the FTD component. Right. So... It's still the same Colleen I've learned to love and, and be with all my well, for the last 10, 11 years. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a little more predictable than the situation that she went through. Mm-hmm. That's
2: right. I
1: if you want me to. you went <laughs> <the> away.
2: No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your love story.
1: You too, so you... I taught his kids music. He was a father in the school district where I worked, and uh, after my husband passed away, his daughter came to me and said, "Mrs. Jones, come hear me play in the school of rock." So I went to a concert one night, and. I saw Jeff there with my girlfriend. And I went up to my girlfriend. Hi, how are you doing? She said, this is Jeff, my date. So Uh I found out out all three of us lived in the same neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. After the concert, we went back to the restaurant and bar. And I outlasted Jura. she went home. I stayed, and the rest is history. <laughs> and we are. Yeah.
4: and the same professor that she thanked for changing her life, I thanked as well when we were at the college reunion and the dedication for the music building, because he changed her life and she ended up moving to music and then ended up teaching my children and long wild roundabout way. We ended
2: up meeting.
3: That is so beautiful. That is.
2: So that is and where was that? How long ago was it that you guys met 10 years?
4: Uh, we've been married for
2: 10 going on 11. So overall about 13 years. right? 13 years. Yeah. I'll just, uh, Interject really quickly. I just celebrated my eighth eight-year anniversary with my wife. uh actually, it was the anniversary of our first date. It was oh. yesterday, the 30th oh. of March.
1: Cool. Uh, Congratulations.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Of course, when I said happy anniversary, she said, What are you talking about? I said, This is we first date 2015. So, anyways, this was what this is one occasion where I found myself one step ahead of my wife (laughs) I wish I wish the same to you Jeff that you could appreciate that feeling being one step ahead of Colleen at some time (laughs) our our first date anniversary is coming up yeah at least on
1: my first date uh he was on a date with someone
2: else (laughs) (laughs) well seems like a little bit of a love triangle there but I'm glad it worked out (laughs) It's just
4: also ironic that my daughter was in the school of rock and totally into music and
2: everything too. So kind of. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you know, you want to be romantic about it. You think back and you, you can't help but say to yourself, "This was meant to be."
0: For
4: sure. My daughter takes credit for me getting us together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Smith tribute. He <laughs> certainly had something to do with it. it sounds like. Oh. So. Cotley, you're obviously, Then I know that, you know, you've got your challenges during the days and, you know, sadness overcomes all of us, but, but from what I can see, you seem to be very positive and happy to the extent that you, that you, that you can be. And I love the fact that you're embracing what you can do and you're traveling and you're enjoying music and obviously enjoying you know, uh, your, your relationship with your, your husband and what, you know, based on, uh, on your outlook, and this is a question I, you know, we ask a lot of our guests, what would you like to share with somebody who, uh, is either initially diagnosed, you know, with the ALS or, you know, somebody that's living with ALS, either, you know, a person with ALS or a caregiver, what, if you could, what what do you think you would like to share with somebody like that?
1: Well, when you first hear the news, give yourself time to be shocked and sad. It's okay. But then you have to frame your thinking. None of us are getting out of this world alive. We're all going to go sometime. And I am trying to look at this as a gift that I am being told, get your shit in order, woman. You can say what you must say to the people you love. You can tell off the people you don't love. You can go places you always said you want you to go. And, you know, like Jeff's father, died in a tragic car accident at age 38. Mm. He never had a chance to say goodbye. I love you. You mean so much to me. And on the practical side, back your voice. I'm glad I did. Um, I, I have two grandsons I want to remember me and I don't want them to necessarily remember this voice. I want to remember how it was. And I'm writing a book for them. So with memories and photographs and things like that. So you have time to do that. So if you're diagnosed, be sad, be angry, throw things if you want to, say all those four-letter words you have to put a cursor in the jar for, <laughs> and then reframe your thinking. Mm, kind well,
2: that's, 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 uh, that's good advice, especially the voice banking.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That that's uh, the stuff that, you know, what you... And I don't think we ever fully process it, but once you have processed it to the extent that you could at the time, you do have to start looking to the practical thing, and, uh, the practical aspects of it. And, um, and that's good. I'm glad that you, uh, that you did that. I know the uh, ALS clinic uh, speech therapist up there, Amanda, uh, Lehigh Valley is uh, very proactive and very instrumental in, they're constantly talking to me about what I can do to use technology in whatever way. And that's certainly a, a technology to use that you can share with the uh, as you're a little little legacy to your, you know, to your family as uh, as things progress and as as your family grows. Mm-hmm. So I think that's Everyone
1: a that is amazing.
2: Yes, Everyone. I agree with you. So. Let's move on to the next part here, which I really found fascinating. Well, fascinating maybe is the wrong word. I found very interesting when we had our pre-interview. And that is, Kali, that you've dedicated quite a bit of your time and energy to networking with other people with ALS nationally and locally who are trying to identify the various diagnostic clusters. whether it's mm-hmm. local or regional or national or whatever the case is, you really try to identify some cause and effect. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about about what's involved with that and you know how, how it piqued your interest, how you you got involved with something of a, you know of of this uh research into the causation.
1: Well, that is how I said, maybe it is meant to be that my husband and I both had ALS because a woman reached out to me. I got a phone call from a woman named Michelle Lorenz, L-O-R-E-N-Z. And she runs a group called MND and ALS causation, clusters, and cohorts. And she was very interested in the commonalities between my husband and I. Well, there were none. He grew up in South Jersey. I grew up in the Lehigh Valley. So um, we didn't have anything that gave her pause until I told you about my high school class, I graduated with 140 people. 14 have motor neuron diseases, ALS, my my and MS. And it's a very high percentage. And every one of the 14 of us is affiliated with the football film. Players, cheerleaders, tourists, band members, which were hours on that lawn. So um, going further with her, we also found that the woman who owned the horse farm right next to our football fair, also died in ARS. And my husband was a football player in South Jersey. So, so,
2: so, I, mean, so I guess two things come to mind for me. One, was it associated with materials associated with the football field? Or the first thing that really comes to mind is this appears to be an environmental effect related, possibly, to the geology or to the uh, the land use. If there was mm-hmm. landfills or uh, illegal dumping or something like that in the area that um, created exposure to, um, you know, to elements that otherwise are just just not good for you.
1: Yes, and I recommend anyone diagnosed to go to Facebook page LS and MND, causation clusters and cohorts, and write to Michelle. Tell her where you live. She has detailed maps of superfund sites, dumping grounds, all kinds of things. That may have a causation effect, but she's never going to be able to put anything together unless we all participate. So, the more people that reach out to her, the better.
2: And that's ALSEBD.org?
1: No, it's causation. Clusters and cohorts. It's not a website, it's a Facebook page.
2: Oh, just on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't do Facebook. I'll have to talk to my wife about that
1: because she, she might have um a website too. I'm not sure. Jeff, what in your front? Look
2: there. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at that. That I think is a uh, uh, that I think is 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 pretty interesting and that you know that's something that i would by myself would like to uh, look into but it sounds like she's trying to collect as much demographic information as she can about people that are willing to share with them and do basically spatial exposure analysis Mm -hmm. right to superfund sites to record sites to illegal dumping you know to any, anything, municipal landfills, as well as, yes. and it, it, because there's no real test for ALS, basically, the, you you know, for those that, many of us probably know this, but, you know, you, you reach the conclusion or the diagnosis for ALS, once you've ruled out everything else, that it tends to, ALS is what comes out of it. But because of that, and it, the fact that it starts, different people in so many different ways that it's difficult to try to pinpoint that causation because ALS itself manifests itself in so many different ways in, in, in people.
1: Yes, and I think where she got interested was the fact that 80% of ALS are service members.
2: So. 80% have been in the military yes really yeah I yeah
1: hold this up to the
2: camera
3: this is oh mm-hmm. I see
2: okay wow 80 percent that's a that's an eye-opener and it's funny at not funny but that somewhat coincidental that last year, I don't know if you've got to it, but they had the ALS Associated Greater Philadelphia chapter. They had an event at Longwood Gardens. Mm-hmm. We went and we sat at a table who had ALS, a guy who had ALS, and um, he was a military vet. And that was the first thing he started talking about. And, um, you know, how the they the military used to, to essentially test some of their chemical weapons other uh, service members uh, through what were considered to be minute exposures. And although he didn't have any any proof other than anecdotal proof of his own experience, it certainly raises a lot of questions uh, as to those. kind. Of, I know myself, I moved out of the military, uh, but I did work in the environmental field as a consultant for 30 hmm. some years. But I never, I, I would be shocked if, if something like that led to you by diagnosis, but you don't know. You don't know,
1: and, don't know. and there, the way my neurologist explained it, there's usually a trigger. Something sets it off, and uh, you know, but A pre-exposure might have predestined us. We're definitely sporadic cases. I'm not familiar. Nobody in his family has ever had a motor neuron disease. Nobody in my family. I just buried my mother at 97 and a half. I said, "Make it that long, so I could drive everybody nuts like you did." <laughs> uh, no, nope, not giving that chance. I have to do it now.
2: Yeah, that's a uh, that that is you know, with the idea of the trigger, which I think you know makes it certainly makes sense. Mm-hmm. But the big question is, when does that trigger happen? I mean, generally, you know, you become diagnosed with ALS after you've showed the symptoms and as you mentioned earlier in our interview that you know a lot I know my own case you know I just thought I was old age I was getting clumsy and stuff like that so you don't know exactly when the trigger happened but it had not manifested itself and you know it would be I mean this is you know this is probably ridiculous thought but Boy, if in the future there could be some way of screening people for that, because obviously once you've been diagnosed with it, that you're you're always playing catch up, because that means that you've you've had the symptoms, that you know, you, right. you've got a whole lot you can do.
1: Right, and um, I only had a leg up because of my husband. But I knew when I was working my son's floor studio, my hand was cramping up every time I was cleaning flowers. And I wasn't dehydrated and all those other things they think. And I started twitching everywhere. And I remember watching my husband on a gurney and his legs look like a worms crawling under the skin. And so I said to my husband, now husband, I have ARS. And he goes, why let the experts to decide that?
3: Right. <laughs> he, gets,
1: he, gets, he says, on your gravestone, we're going to put I told you I had ARS. <laughs> Yeah,
4: had this argument after every specialist appointment Mm -hmm. leading up to diagnosis.
0: She's like, I know.
4: Her first bad EMG over carpal tunnel syndrome, which is, was associated with the weakness of her wrist and the grip strength. Um, Everybody was scratching their head. They thought maybe the guy did something wrong and Mm -hmm. all of the, Different specialists looked at it going down you know, the path and none of them could really speak very clearly on that particular EMG. They all just said, wow, that's odd. Mm-hmm. And she would leave every appointment crying, saying that I have ALS and we'd fight all the way home in the car that, you know, mm-hmm. you gotta play this out. You can't just go there. And yep, she was right.
1: I couldn't That's be in a freaking lottery, could
4: I, instead? Learn <laughs> <laughs> how to count cards and casino. <laughs> <it>.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I appreciate you guys sharing that, though, because I think that that is, um, it, on, a, on a couple, you know, we don't always talk about that, but how challenging that is, you know, and obviously we know that being a caregiver is difficult, and we know being somebody with ALS, is difficult. Um, and yet the impact on your relationship and how, yeah, you are trying to like stay positive, but then you know what's going on. Like it's, it's so, I, I just appreciate you sharing that because that's very real and it's honest. And that is, I know for sure what so many, so many of our families are going through and
1: yeah. everybody says, Oh, you're so positive and happy." And I say, until I'm not, I have my dog. They every day, and I allow them to come and go and just try to concentrate on my four-year-old and one-year-old grandson and my husband who's doing everything he can for me and people like you, Jesse, who are really so sweet and caring. And I feel like the clinic has made me feel seen. It really has. So I thank all you ladies up there for that.
0: It's our privilege. It's our absolute privilege to know you and get to see you and hear you and um, just get to to be your friend. It's a real gift. Thank you.
1: Yeah. You gave me my swan song performance by the way. I
0: did. Yeah. So we should share that story that um, we had a a patient of ours, a young gentleman um, with ALS and one of his bucket list things he wanted to do was to um, renew his vows with his wife. And so we put the clinic, a few of us put together a uh a makeshift vow renewal ceremony. Um and they invited makeshift invited family and friends and we rented a little space at a park and colleen we asked Colleen to uh play the piano um so we had a keyboard out there and she was the she was the music for the event for the ceremony and that was that was really really special really special
1: that's awesome Last time I played
2: in public. Yeah. Oh, that was the last time you played in public?
1: Yeah. Last
2: how time. long ago was that?
0: That was last, it was last May? See,
4: it was in the
2: summer. Last
0: yeah, May. last May or
2: June. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's. Uh, yeah, it that was really special. Really yeah, that's a special story that really is. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a really nice Conversation with you, Colleen, and you, Jeff. And we so much appreciate your time and willingness to open up with us about your experiences. And, um, Thank you
1: for doing this and bringing awareness to this disease. I appreciate
2: it. And uh, talking about awareness, I want to invite both of you to a golf, a charity golf event that me, my friends and I were, we're pulling together and is in Valley, Pennsylvania. And actually anybody that listens to the podcast we will talk about it a little bit more at the end here, our remarks. But I'd like to invite you guys, if you'd like to join us, it's the 23rd of June. And my goal is to not just have participants, you know, golfers and volunteers and stuff there, but I would like to have folks that are living with ALS because I think it would be very powerful to put a face with the cause that these folks are contributing to with their time and resources. So I wanted to invite you to come and join us for lunch. You don't have to accept now; You can think about it, but I'd love for you guys to show up and join us.
1: And you're talking deaf language now and you say that for a better word. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well it is there for you for your friends i don't i will we could send you the link but uh, yeah. a little, little promotion here but I, I wanted to extend the offer the invitation to you guys and you can think about it it's still a ways off but you never know you know your your cat will just fill up quickly so there's something Wait, for you to think about standing?
1: Jeff goes with a bunch of gentlemen at our country club, and we'll pass it on.
2: That sounds great. For sure.
0: Thank you, guys. This has Thank been a you. dream. This has been a dream, and we are so grateful for, the, for your time and you, Jeff. Um, and to close us out, we'll get to listen to your beautiful, beautiful voice again. Thank you guys so much.
2: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Have a good day.
3: I've seen all good people turn their heads each day, so satisfied, I'm on my way. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day, so satisfied, I'm on my way. He hasn't got time
0: episode 11 with colleen did not disappoint that was incredible she is incredible
2: yeah that was a very very fun uh episode and uh as i gushed uh the uh during our interview i uh, her voice went out a bit more mm. uh compelling more it, it literally did uh got a little bit of goosebumps there when a uh, you know, when I heard Dark Side of the Moon, first of all, I heard Big Floyd. And then when she did those vocals. Yeah. Or um, just a beautiful part of the album. And with that vocal raise that she has. So, so I, I, I really, I really enjoyed it.
0: Oh, my gosh. So talented. And so um, just her perspective. I just am so moved by both her and Jeff's perspective, you know, on how. This is what it is and it stinks, but it could be worse, like you say, and their opportunity and determination to make the best out of the situation and what they, you know, are facing. It's, it's just, um, it's amazing. And, and I just love their, their humor, you know, their, their humor, their realness, uh, it was just such a great conversation,
2: Yeah, it was. I I appreciate the fact they're very down to earth and very realistic about things. And, hey, you've got two choices, you know, Mm -hmm. you can either be miserable or make the most out of the situation. So, yeah, it always makes me happy when people choose the latter.
0: So, so amazing. What a fun, fun, fun interview.
2: Yeah, that was good. So we got episode 12 coming up.
0: Coming up. And what's happening? Tell us, tell us what's up in June.
2: Yeah, so as I mentioned with Kali, for anybody that's interested in any way, shape, or form of helping out or participating, uh, we are going to have what I hope to be the first annual Team Letty's light scramble to defeat ALS. It is a Charity Golf Tournament that will be held at the uh Butter Valley Golf Course, which is in Bali, Pennsylvania, uh the 23rd of June, which is a Friday. And it will have various uh golfing contests, prizes. We'll have a full lunch, a beautiful lunch. And the one thing I can guarantee you is you will not go away hungry because we are gonna have a beautiful breakfast or dessert bar of mm. homemade desserts.
0: And
2: I will be sampling each of them individually. So I will be able to attest that, yes, uh, if you like, if you have a sweet tooth and you want desserts, we will have many choices of, from which to choose. So once again, it's uh, June 23rd and it will be. Um, at the uh, Butter Valley Golf Course in Valley, Pennsylvania. And if you would like more information on it, just email us here. What's our, what's our email address, uh, Jesse?
0: RootsRadioALS at gmail.com.
2: So that's RootsRadioALS, all one word.
0: At gmail.com.
2: At gmail.com. And the other way you can get information is to go on the uh the internet and just type in your browser www. excuse me, www dot org. So that's team as in T-E-A-M-L-E-N-N-Y-S-L-I-G-H-T, n-n-y-s l-i-g-h t and that'll bring you to our website. And you'll be able to see our brochure. And you'll be able to register electronic if you'd like to. So uh, sponsorships, donations, golfers. Uh, we are limited to 120 golfers. And as of right now, with very little advertising, we've got uh, 74 golfers lined up. But I know we've got at least another 25 that have verbally committed to me that uh, haven't quite registered yet but uh um, so anyways if you're interested the sooner the better we'd love to have we love to have people from the als community join us it would be it would be an honor to have people there so anyways so that's it
0: that's awesome we'll be there we will be there
2: all right great thank you 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 have a great day
0: thank you you too as always this was awesome
2: Okie doke. All right. Take care.
0: Bye.